I run my unit how I run my unit. You want to investigate me, roll the dice and take your chances. I eat breakfast 300 yards from 4,000 Cubans who are trained to kill me, so don't think for one second that you can come down here, flash a badge, and make me nervous. All right, kids, here we go. Seminars, next one up, June 9th through the 11th with a few spots left, then August 11th through the 13th, and then finally October 13th through the 15th. For coaching camps on the list, we'd still have spots available for our new camp for personal trainers. This is a workshop dedicated to personal trainers. Rip is going to come down to Plano, Texas at Starring Strength Plano on June 25th. I'm going to talk about the Starring Strength method, the principles, application for your personal training business, as well as how to teach and coach the Starring Strength method for the deadlift. So participants will be involved in that. There's discounts available. Hit the link for more details on that. And to get ready for the impending Collapse of Society, check out the Lift to Shoot Fight Camp. That's July 8th and 9th in Wichita Falls, where we'll be covering lifting, shooting, and some combatives. Got a press and bench camp going on on Long Island September 23rd. A couple deadlift and power clean camps, one on June 24th in Tel Aviv, Israel, and one on July 15th on Long Island. Some squat and deadlift camps with spots still available June 17th in Cincinnati at Starring Strength Cincinnati, June 18th in Singapore at Hygieia Strength and Conditioning, June 24th in Phoenix, Arizona at Weights and Plates, and July 15th in Indianapolis at Starring Strength Indianapolis. And finally, some three lift camps with spots still available July 22nd in Brussels at Brussels Barbell in Belgium, and then July 29th and 30th we'll have squat press and deadlift camps in Vancouver, Canada. Check out those because spots are filling up quick. Guys, changing it up today, and this is a call for high-quality franchise owners. These are the top 10 cities that we're looking to put starting strength franchise gyms in. So pay attention. Arlington, Virginia, Philadelphia, Phoenix, Jacksonville, Kansas City, Charlotte, North Carolina, Louisville, Kentucky, Las Vegas, Raleigh, Durham, and Milwaukee. If any of those cities sound appealing to you, head over to startingstrengthgyms.com, click on the Own a Gym tab so you can understand what the process is, get linked up with somebody that you can speak with about potentially opening a gym in one of these cities. And as usual, for more information on anything that I've talked about, head over to startingstrength.com and check out the right-hand side of the homepage. From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, starting Strength Radio. Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. And here I am, all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I'm tired <laughs> for some reason. And the sleep with the fuck, I guess. That didn't help any. It's supposed to help, right? It didn't. Well, anyway. I don't know about that. All right, so we're going to do a paper Q&A today. See all the paper? Paper Q&A. And, uh, and uh, it will be uh, so educational that you just won't be able to – you won't understand how you trained before having watched this show. Paradigms will shift today. Paradigms will shift today. 
Yeah. Cows, sacred cows will be slain. Sacred, sacred cows <laughs> slain. Oxes gored. <laughs> right? We're, we're happy to be joined by Rusty this time again. Is Rusty back? He's back. Oh, yeah, look at him over there. We're not allowed to ask why he was gone, but he was gone, and now he's not. Now he's back. He must have been doing something terribly important because he would not have missed <laughs> starting strike radio. <laughs> All right, so anyway, fuck. To get things started off on the right note, as always, as we usually do, we are going to elevate our own uh, level of uh, observed intelligence by presenting to you comments, comments. From, from the haters. The great way to put it yes just you know in contrast it's a great way to put it yes in contrast i'm albert einstein you're isaac newton oh and rusty is uh oppenheimer it's generous for rusty it is but i totally (laughs) totally agree with you on newton and uh and einstein here you you see that movie coming out that ought to be real good man it's gonna be great that's that's just a you know I, I'm real excited about because I like it whenever he does uh, historical movies. I really enjoy his Here historical movies. Here we go. I just don't like his editing. I don't. I do not. What's like, wrong with his editing? It's it's weird. It's uh, all of his movies have real choppy editing, and it's very odd to me. I'm gonna watch it. I'm probably gonna like it. <laughs> What's another one of his movies that, that I could recall? Uh, the, the Dark Knight. Shitty editing. Dark Knight was had a good editing. Um, this is no. Oh, what's right? the? Oh, yeah, Nolan. Um, what's the uh, one where they're walking back? Dunkirk. Did no, that have? No, no, no. Dunkirk was okay. Dunkirk was okay. We're um, two for two right now on ones that are okay. Uh, oh, what was Dunkirk? The, was, where time was going backwards. What is it? Tenant. Tenant. God, that was well, a bad Tenet, movie. Yeah, it was, that was a bad movie. I don't know about being a bad movie. It was. It was, oh, it was real bad. It was horrible what, movie. It was a horrible what, movie. What you're what you're construing as I, bad editing, I, I think, think was probably intentional. Tenant. Yeah, we talked about Tenet. It's the one where there's the time is moving forward and one one like there, there's two things going it's on so at the same time. So goofy looking. Time's moving forward and backwards at the same time. I just I hated that movie. And about halfway through the minute the, they meet, I thought it was and it was great five and it was well, five hours to, long. At least it, it felt like it, was, it felt like it was five hours long. Well, I'm gonna it have never to watch ended. this again because I think I've seen it. You'll remember because but I, bullets were going not backwards. Calling any of it up at all. It Backwards was, driving. It wasn't good. Crazy stuff. It wasn't good. Well, all right. So so there's one movie that no, no, I, it's choppy editing. Some of his movies I really, really like. I just I don't like his editing. All right. But you know what? <laughs> we got haters here. We got haters. That deserve their day in court. Right? <laughs> send Nolan your send Christopher Nolan your hater comment, Rusty. Right. I do. I really like your movies, but I wonder, but... If, I wonder <laughs> if Nolan gets comments from the from guys from like from, from guys like this. It's like I really like your movies, but I write, you can really but, you use know, some help I, on I write about let me, let me give you some advice. <laughs> I give them about ten a day from different different accounts. Interstellar. <laughs> what horrible editing in Interstellar? Fuck. I still. I, God, what a, I like Interstellar, what but it made movie. no sense. It didn't make any sense. This is what we're dealing with here, folks. How did he go in a black hole and not die? 
Well, do you personally know what happens in a black hole? If gravity is so strong... You don't know that. You don't know anything. <laughs> You're like Anthony Fauci. You don't know anything about anything in terms of black holes. No one does, so you don't know. You may go in a black hole and yourself become a black hole. Yeah. That's, Thus, where, that's where he draws a line, though, at the black hole. Because yeah. because nothing else was nothing else in that movie was stretched in <laughs> no. terms of reality, right? Yeah. Oh no, that's just one thing I'm pointing Got out. It. All right. Okay. Anyways, haters. <laughs> <laughs> this one is real good. I guess some jerk off named Jesse Shaver says Mark Ripito is a scam artist and cuck. Some guy that's not here. Uh, Some guy that doesn't live here is saying, <laughs> saying I'm a cut. Right. All right. Let's see. Uh, that was the Ansel Keys. Got a couple of Ansel Keys. Oh, they're pissed about Ansel, the Ansel Keys thing. Yeah. What are they, they don't even know who Ansel Keys is. No, they is. don't, but they don't like that you talked about cholesterol. But, yeah. All right. So uh, David Weinbrenner Jr. says, stick to lifting. Hmm. You are great at that. This dude is a nut. He's <laughs> talking about Kendrick or you or both? I, I, I don't know. I, I'm just reading the, you know. That was on the Kendrick video, though, yeah, right? Yeah, it was on the okay. Kendrick video. Me and, me and uh, Malcolm were talking about Ansel Keys because Ansel Keys has fucked a lot of people up. Yep. It's unfortunate he hadn't fucked up David Weinbrenner. <laughs> as well all right another ansel keys comment because as we all know ripito is an internationally recognized expert in epidemiology mm. scathing scathing ad hominem attack these people are are just this is an important contribution though all right, oh, one more on this thing here. All right, John Santo. I think I recognize that name. I think he's commented before. The Barbell Row with Mark Ripito. He went back into the archives. Right. To get this. Is it just me, or does everyone there look like shit? <laughs> it's just you. And it's just you, John. There, the scam artist and cuck. That's the guy that's not here. Right. It's calling me yeah. ugly names. Right. All right. Esteban. Esteban. Is it Esteban or Esteban? Esteban. 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 Yeah. Second syllable. Yep. Right. Tobis. Don't know about that one. Nah. Tobes. Sp Spaniard. Got to be a Spaniard. Got to be a Spaniard. Little Spanish boy. Yeah. European right. is what we're saying. Could be. Yeah. Could be <clears throat> European, Spanish, could be South American, Central American Spanish. Could be just a plain old Mexican. You just don't know. Right? A plain, plain old Mexican. Plain old Mexican. <laughs> right? I'm a big starting strength fan, but this was by far the worst training advice. This is running and strength training. Mm. I did exactly what he advises. 
and got the worst score of my military career, my entire military career. Now, that's what when I told you how to pass the... Uh, PT test. PT test. Right, right? yeah. Yep. Now, if you'll remember, I didn't tell you how to get the best score of your entire military career. I just told you how to pass the PT test without fucking your training up too much. That's what I did. Okay. That's right. true. And if right. I and if I were to venture a guess here, I would bet that his squat and deadlift aren't very big either. No, Esteban is a pussy. He's also probably just trying not to take responsibility for not doing the things he needed to do. Yeah, he didn't do what I told him to do. It could be any of that. Yeah. It could be any of that. Because, uh, right. I mean, well, you know, you know, whenever you're about two weeks out, how good you're doing. Sure. You know? Right. <laughs> Especially if it's something one. you All do, right. you do fucking regularly. Yeah. Like, right. Come on, man. <laughs> All right. Here's the last one. Can't wait. You ready? Yeah. This is regarding the RPE is subjective garbage <laughs> clip. That's triggering, man. Yeah, man. And somebody by the name of Tony Lindholm says, Old man yells at clouds. <laughs> it's a low effort, but good. Yeah. yeah. It's five words. Right. You know. Uh, clever <laughs> but you know nonetheless that concludes about all I can stand from comments, comments. from um, the, haters. the haters notice it brings a little tear in my eye well no one called you fat on that round from what I remember that's a Maybe not, a positive. Not that I read. Well, yeah, that's true. There hasn't been many of those lately. Sure, there have. Last time there was a bunch. Okay. There were three I think or four of them last yeah. time. Yeah. I'm fat. All this other shit. You know, and I, you know, I I don't mind being fat. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I'm not really fat, I I don't mind being fat. <laughs> what I mind being is 67 year old. And so narcissistic that I care about my abs. Abs, yeah. How mentally healthy is a 67-year-old man mm-hmm. with abs? Nah, it's no good. You know, that's not a. That's not a. That's not a good place. To it's not a healthy to. pursuit. <laughs> no, really isn't. All right. So anyway, paper Q and A. These questions are from. Uh, the people that subscribe to the network, because we got lots of those, and uh, you know, people that subscribe to the network, we're going to take precedence. They're going to take precedence over just random denizens of the internet. Generally, ask good questions, except for that one guy. Typically, Chris something. You remember that guy? Now he redeemed what himself. He, what he, 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 I don't remember, but you, you had to throw it out. <clears throat> And then we made fun of him for about two episodes. But then he asked yeah. again, and then he redeemed himself. So, Well, all right. All right, so we're going to get started here with our friend Jenny. Jenny is a nice lady. She comments on the board all the time, and all of her 
all her comments are valuable and insightful and and uh, direct and productive. So Jenny says, yay, I finally have a relevant question that I can't find something on the book, something on in the book or the forum. So I've recently put my fat ass on a sled-based conditioning program. I love the sled. I can throw a bunch of weight on it and shove it about the gym and not be sore the next day. That's right. However, I've noticed a significant and new soreness in my ankle area. It's not my foot. It's the back of my ankle and a little at the side of the heel. I don't much feel it when I'm doing the sled, but I feel it the next day. Day two, it's not sore to start, but as my day goes on, it gets pretty sore. I don't stay at my desk if I can help it. I'm walking most of the day. By quitting time, it's a, a, a bit tender because it's, the only, because it's only the left one. It makes me think it's not DOMS. It's not a DOMS situation. Maybe I'm aggravating a tendon. But I don't really want to stop the sled. Can you shed any light on this injury to help me justify continuing to use the sled? That'd be plantar fasciitis, maybe? I am thinking that from her description of this, that sounds sounds a little bit like an Achilles tendon situation. Did she say where in the ankle it hurts? Yeah, she said... uh, it's the back of my ankle and a little at the side of the heel. Oh, oh yeah. Side of go. the heel makes me think plantar fasciitis because well, I had no, that. Side of the heel. Plantar fasciitis is up under the arch. Right. You feel that up under your arch. You'll feel it under the heel, too, but it's, it's, it's definitely on the bottom. It's not on the yeah. side and back. No, it's not on the side <clears> and back. Now, you, you have to look at the, um, the, the little anatomy of the Achilles tendon. It inserts on the... That would be the posterior calcaneus, and it's it's got kind of a broad insertion, so she may have a little bit of that aggravated, and that would make sense because what happens when you push the sled is if you get real rambunctious, starting it off, trying to break it loose, and and you do that with your foot, with your heel down. So that you've got quite a bit of ankle angle, and you're and you're starting the thing off with a with a great big giant calf extension, which would be a plantar flexion. Uh, to start the thing off, you might be aggravating the Achilles tendon there, Jenny. Uh, I can't think of anything else it would be. No, it makes it makes uh, sense. If you, that, that makes sense. I'd sense. like to know what kind of shoes she's wearing to push the sled. Uh, well, two things. If she start, if, if she said she's pushing the sled around, we don't know if she's walking it or running it. If 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 she's doing, if she's starting, if she's doing full strides, meaning she's she's walking the sled, doing full strides, mm-hmm. starting with her foot flat on the floor. If that's what she's doing, then. Do it the other way, careful strides that don't start with the heel flat on the floor. I, right. I would guess that she's starting with both heels up, like she's leaning into the sled with Could both be. heels up. And then if she starts, you get that, you get that uh, the, that hard eccentric the, the hard drive, drop, heel and, drop, and that yeah that that pisses off people's ankles. Yeah. So if you if yeah, you, if, if you're running the sled, walk the sled, load it heavier and walk the sled and see if that fixes it. 
or vice versa. See which one it is. All right. She says, in addition, uh, she says, I'm addressing the weight in my nutrition habits. Her fat ass, as she referred to it <laughs> earlier. So technically, I could stop the sledding and survive, but damn, it's fun. Uh, the sledding is not doing anything for your body fat. You don't, recom- you don't recomposition your body with training. It's good she recognizes that. That's good. The nutrition thing is right. the way to get it done. Edit, I work around old rotator cuff and knee and thigh injury. Same leg as the current shit. It was an LCL and meniscus tear. Then a tensor fascia and thigh muscle. Tensor fascia, a lot of thigh. That one made no sense to me. I will always think it's tight IT band. I refuse surgery. Never seen surgery turn out real well. Well, surgery doesn't give you original equipment back. Never does that. And depending on where the surgery is, sometimes you get away with it. Sometimes you just get out of pain. Sometimes it ends up worse. How many back surgeries have we looked at over the past five or six years that just turned a guy to shit? Yep. You know, uh, low back surgeries, eh, that's not the last surgery I'd be having. I'd just go ahead and get the wheelchair first. Yep. If I was in such pain, I had to have low back surgery. Oh, shit. No, Jenny, it sounds to me like you pissed off your Achilles tendon. Now, I don't know how old you are. I get the impression you're in your 40s. Probably not 20 is the point, right? Right. So I don't don't think that... uh, we're dealing here with youthful connective tissue you know and when you're in a situation where you're not dealing with youthful connective tissue there's always the possibility of a tendon rupture so i want you to keep doing your sled but i want you to think very carefully about how you're using your feet and your heels your ankles when you break the sled loose from being to to start the the rep all right and make sure that that is not uh putting a bunch of stress on on the achilles tendon uh i'd hate for you to get a hold of us with a achilles tendon rupture that could have been prevented by just not pissing it off so bad but if you if you take away this this stress which is probably being produced by the sled you're probably going to be okay long term uh i ruptured an achilles tendon back about 13 years ago now and you know these these kind of tendon injuries have been a big pain in the ass for me for many years and they are they're tough to rehab and they're hard to train around uh so let's not get too rambunctious with our sled all right and uh, you didn't say how much weights on the sled or anything but just think about what you're doing to piss this off and fix it all right all right jack bissett 
wonder if he's related to Jacqueline Bissett. There's that Bissett. Jacqueline I don't even Bissett. know who that is. Good-looking actress type chick. Let's look her up. Probably a Bond girl at one time. Any tips on fixing stubborn knee valgus? That's when it caves into the middle, right? I can keep my knee position under control under lighter loads, but the second it gets heavy or hard, they start to cave in. I'm assuming he's talking about the squat. Right. Didn't say, but I'm assuming he's talking about the squat. What kind of shoes are you wearing when you squat, Jack? Give some thought to that. Uh, if you are, are prone to valgus movement, you had better have your arch supported on the medial side with your shoes. And if you don't have any medial arch support from your shoes, you need to get some lifting shoes that have got an arch support and see what that does to your valgus. Okay. You got anything you want to add to that? No, I mean usually, usually with guys, it's not such a problem. But the you know, got if if for some reason he's got, if he's a guy that has super long femurs, long legs, um, you, you you see that as the weight gets heavier. Just make sure it's controlled. You know, if it, well, you just have to keep them out. Keep, you keep them out. You yeah. know, you just this is just one of these voluntary things. You just have to not let them cave in. Right. Shove your knees out at the bottom of the range of motion. Shove your knees out at the squat. Yeah, but, keep them out off the floor on the deadlift. I'm talking, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about the yeah. instance where you have skinny guys, skinny, tall, lanky guys, and and long-legged females mm -hmm. that have trouble controlling the knees. So right. the skinny guy, it's a the solution is get stronger, get gain weight. Yeah, get bigger and get stronger. My three tallest people that I coach, they all have a hard time holding them out. Right. Yeah. Well, I you know, and it's it's if you have a chronic valgus movement at the bottom of the squat that has to be fixed it has to be fixed exactly. by your brain yep that's the only way to fix it but again if your shoes are not helping you then you need to fix that because that's an easy fix i mean if you're wearing if you're trying to squat in chucks or something stupid like that then you know and you're prone to valgus then you are going to have to uh, fix it yeah, if you don't believe if you don't believe rip, just put the put your phone at the level of your shoes and watch yourself when you squat. And you'll see it; it'll be very obvious. Oh, it's quite obvious what's yeah. going on. I mean, you'll see your whole foot roll down, roll immediately uh, as your arch collapses. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's uh, and it's easy enough to fix. You need some training shoes anyway, so just get a pair of shoes with a better arch support than the ones you're wearing right now. All right now. Fun Facts asks, how far forward on rack pulls should one get? My friend John used to have me stand about three inches or so from the bar, then lean into it. I'm more forward than what I have seen you describe in some vids and articles. But it did really make my lower back have to work. <laughs> sure it did. Uh, it did well for me. The only thing I had to concentrate on was not sliding horizontally back, going straight up with the bar with my back really forward. So here's, look, when you do a rack pull or any pull, what's the rule? 
The bar is over at the middle of the foot because that's how your body weight interacts with the load on the bar. The bar is over the middle of the foot. And if you are doing a rack pull from three inches behind the bar, then, you're, then the bar is not over the middle of your foot. So you put the bar over the middle of your foot at whatever level of rack pull you're going to do. And then you touch the bar with your shin. And under most circumstances, that's going to, the bar will be about an inch forward of your vertical shin. And if you lean a little forward, you drop your knees forward to where they touch. Then when you get your chest up, you will be forward of the bar. You will be forward of the barbell because that's the normal pulling position. And this is discussed in the blue book. It's the way the lats interact with the bar to keep it over the middle of the foot as the bar comes up. But if you are three inches behind the bar and you start pulling on the bar, the first thing the bar is going to do is, is loop back into your leg to get over the middle of your foot. If there's any weight at all on the bar, that's the first thing that's going to happen. It's not staying three inches in front of you. Yeah, he recognizes that because he said he's, he's trying to avoid the horizontal movement of the bar. <laughs> like, that's a clue that yeah. it doesn't want to be there. There, there is. <laughs> the bar goes where the bar wants to be, and you've got nothing to do with it. If you start with the bar too far forward, the bar's going to come back. If you start with the bar too far back, in other words, with a completely vertical shin to the bar, on the shin, which would put it behind the middle of the foot, the bar is going to go forward. Yeah, and the fact uh, that you can just, control that horizontal movement. So you're, you're setting up three inches for, forward of the bar or behind the bar. Um, you're controlling the horizontal movement. So that tells us that the weight you're using isn't heavy enough to make, it, -maximal to make you strong. It's sub-maximal weight. Because that heavy enough weight to constitute a work set of rack pulls wouldn't move. It you know the the bar won't move from the wrong position. The heavy weight on a rack pull is heavier than a deadlift because it's a partial movement. But if it's in the wrong place, if it's in the wrong place, it won't come off the pins. Right. Until it gets to the right place. Yep. So uh, I mean, these things are all you know discussed in our mechanics discussion that we go through on you know you people that haven't been to our seminar need to get up off of your dead asses and come to the seminar you're going to learn a whole bunch of stuff because we discuss things in very very minute detail things like that we discuss in minute detail things we don't have time to talk about on the videos and things that you are it, it's it's too tedious to put them in articles and on in the book so we talk about them at the seminar and that's where you learn all these little picky weird ass details about the pull okay so give that some thought all right uh seminar is a wonderful experience i've never had anybody in all the years we've been doing this never had anybody tell me that you know i think you ought to give me about half my money back because i didn't really get anything out of this you ever heard any anybody complain we've about had a couple people on the west coast pissed off but probably not about the material because yeah because actually usually it's the material's great but 
you you but ripped an asshole. You said something that made me rip mad. voted Republican or yeah. some shit. And I said that Gavin Newsom's lips look best wrapped around the dick <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Something you know, somebody would probably take offense to. As you do you know, on the West Coast, that's right. Yeah, people on the West Coast. So, anyway. All right, MWM. Greater force production requires more energy. Does this mean a stronger person will always get tired more quickly than a weaker person unless he's better conditioned? Take a distance event in a sport like swimming or kayaking. Each competitor has to cover the same distance, no matter how strong he is. The stronger competitor has an advantage because he can produce more force and therefore move faster, but in doing so, he uses more energy and therefore gets fatigued earlier. Does he therefore need more conditioning than a weaker competitor to keep ATP flowing into his bigger muscles and avoid becoming tired too quickly such that he can no longer take advantage of his greater strength to move faster? Isn't this a legitimate concern when coaches worry about their athletes becoming too strong because their increased muscle mass results in increased oxygen requirements, which may be difficult to meet? There's a lot of conflation going on there. There's a whole bunch of misconceptions. Well, it's yes, yes, no, no to the series of questions that he just asked. All right. Let's back up to his first sentence. Yeah. Greater force production requires more energy. Now, that is true. Does this mean a stronger person will always get tired more quickly than a weaker person unless he's better conditioned? Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that the stronger person is producing more force. He's producing as much force as is necessary for the movement. Right. And since his muscles are bigger... He's using a smaller percentage of his muscle mass to produce the same force that a weaker person would be using more of his muscle mass to produce. Right. That's the problem. That's that's the problem is the problem is that you have to you would have to assume that okay, so so if you could set up a situation where two guys, one is large and strong and one is small and weak, are able to do a thing at the exact same effort. At the, at the same speed. At the, well, let's say the same speed. But see, at the same speed, then the the stronger guy is doing less work. Right. So so it's not equivalent. Which tells you what you need to know. Well, it's exactly right. It's these aren't you. There's no way to to make them equivalent. Now, the first I think the first assertion is true, right? You're, or it is true. You're using more energy, right? You're using more burning more. Greater force calories. production requires a greater energy expenditure, but, obviously. But conditioning is trainable. As yes. you get stronger, conditioning improves along with it. So yeah. they're not they're they're tied, right? It's not Well, see, he's assuming here all through this question, he's assuming that the guy with the bigger muscles is using the same number of motor units to produce the same amount of force that the weaker guy is using. Right. And he's not. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good question because people. Yeah, it is a good question. I, I I was talking to, to our friend John Valentine about this the other day because we were we we're uh, discussing some stuff uh, about strength training and fighting, and uh, 
Uh, no, no, no. Actually, actually, this was with Ray. So, a, a good way to put a good way to put this. You see, and let's put it in the jujitsu context. You get a big guy that walks into the into the into a class first time he's ever done. He's got big muscles. He is going to gas out, right? He's going to get very tired, and he's going to feel like he's going to he's drowning. You get as he doesn't now, have to pace himself. Now everybody attributes his lack of conditioning and gassing out to his size and his muscles. Right. When you get a 135-pound guy that comes in, he also gasses out. But nobody, right. everybody just... Nobody just, talks about it's that. It's just part of the deal, right? right? Yeah. But but who's been more trouble to everybody in the room? Big guy. The big guy. The big guy. You can't handle the big guy. Right. And if they both start at the same time, in three months, they're both going to have a very high level of conditioning. Yeah. Who's going to be, who's more effective? Obviously, the big guy's more effective, the strong guy. And even if you have two guys who are the same weight and one is significantly stronger... Yeah, you can attribute, if you want to, the fact that the, the stronger guy got more tired because he's stronger. That may be true because he can hold positions harder and longer, and he may gas himself out. But guess what? He's going to be better conditioned than the weaker guy who's the same weight as him because every time he does something, he does it at a higher level of force production. You know, So you can't you – can't, they're married in terms of performance right you can't mm -hmm. separate the two so the question is where do you spend your effort you spend your effort getting stronger because it makes no sense to to do the conditioning first because you haven't improved your overall capability right you know so yeah better conditioning uh in and of itself uh does not make the fight shorter easier or shorter yeah I, sure. I mean, how could it? Yeah, and it applies to you all. Know, any I mean, sport. if if I'm a big, strong guy, and I can get, uh, oh, uh, what would you say? Let's let's say we got a street encounter. If I'm a big, strong guy, and I get a street encounter, and I can get it over with in 11 seconds, or I'm a weak guy who can't handle the attack and has to run away and that whole thing takes three or four minutes right yeah yep. you know yeah yeah and it, it applies to all all sports all the time you know it's a, it's the same thing no matter what the sport is it's it's it's, it's the same unless it's unless it's marathon running right then mm -hmm. obviously the the conditioning thing is going to take priority but um yeah it's uh pe i don't it's, people confuse this shit all the time just like just like the, this question's a perfect example right because you're trying to mix two ideas that stronger equals more energy so that's somehow detrimental it's actually it's actually a positive mm -hmm. right <clears throat> so uh, i hope that answered that uh you know, you know, a good way. If you're looking for a way to justify not getting stronger, you're not going to find it. Not on here. This podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell me what you tell me what you think of this analogy. So the, the conditioning is. So let's take the car analogy, right? Conditioning mm -hmm. is akin to adjusting the air fuel mixture right. in the car, right? Right. How much uh, adding a cold air intake, mm -hmm. fucking around with the computer. Um, how much gas you squirt in, you know, compression, all these things. Mm -hmm. um, it's your strength training is fucking with the suspension, stroking the motor, right? Mm -hmm. Stronger drive shaft. Like these are structural changes. They don't slow the car down. They make it. They make it more robust. Then, if you layer on top of that 
an optimized air fuel mixture, you have a you've got a fucking machine on your hands, right? If you take my my two thousand dollar Honda Civic that's sitting in my driveway right now, and I max out the the air fuel mixture situation, I still have a Honda, a Honda Civic. Civic sitting there, <laughs> right? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, it's the same thing. If you if you put if you have yourself in a hundred and thirty five pound body. And you condition the shit out of yourself. You're still a man at 135 pounds, and you can only do 135 pound man shit, right? Uh, so, right. just try to look at the things at that at that level. You know, and there's so much confusion about that in the combat sports that it just all of them. Their their coaching uh, staff is not much better than the Olympic weightlifting people. Sure, they're, they're sure. Uh, they just don't really have a clear picture of what they're doing yeah yeah it makes for a good example because people consider uh anything that's real fighting related to have a very very extreme uh conditioning component which it does you know yeah depending on the nature of yeah the, of the bout yeah if you're fighting another human being whether you're grappling or boxing if or you striking. are going if you've got a a three round match uh of uh Say so you're gonna you, you're in a boxing contest and you're get you got three three minute rounds, like Olympic boxing. Or for God's sakes, you've got a fifteen round <laughs> professional. You're in a conditioning situation. For sure. Oh, for sure. Right. Unless the guy knocks your ass out, and then you don't have to worry about conditioning. And neither does he. So, right. This yeah. this has to be kept in this has to be kept in mind. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you guys want to watch up, I, I I have said this probably on this podcast before, but the there was a fight between Alexis Arguello and Aaron Pryor. Do you remember that? That was back what in the eighties. I think so. Yeah, we watched it on YouTube because you were talking about it. It was it. That's just a hell of a fight, yeah. man. And uh, these guys are welterweights, and they're just perfectly matched. And that damn thing goes down to the went down to a decision at 15 rounds. After one of them got cut real bad in the 11th round, and the cut man got it closed and kept it closed. Yep. I mean, it looked like the guy had been hit in the head with a machete. Yep. And and the cut man kept that goddamn thing closed for four rounds and and the thing went to a decision and i mean now that's conditioning right right but had the thing gone two rounds and one of them got knocked out i mean which is the way you'd rather do of course, it right yeah you know i'm sure neither one of these guys wanted to go 15 yeah. rounds yeah you know yep how, it, how old i guess is it's it? hard for welterweights to knock each other out but for sure yeah do you know how old Mike Tyson is? Do you have any idea? He's in his fi- he's in his fifties. Surely, 50s, to God, maybe. he's in his fifties. So here's a here's an interesting question: Would you rather be punched by, let's say, Sugar Ray Leonard in his prime, yeah, or Mike Tyson today? <laughs> Sugar Ray, F- fuck yeah. yeah, all day long. I'd rather right? Sugar Ray. Sure, and it, I would survive that. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so why is that? Because Mike Tyson is real fucking strong. <laughs> and, you know, why he's real strong is irrelevant. Exactly. Right. It is, it is, the fact is that he's real strong. And he can hit you real, real hard. And the fight ain't going to go 15 rounds. Yeah. 
Mike it's Tyson still going to hurt you. when Sugar Ray Leonard hits you. But it's going to hurt, but it's I not going to put you out of the fight. I think Mike Tyson could kill us if he punched us. Mike Tyson could kill a normal human yeah. with a blow to the hip. Right. There's no doubt. There's absolutely no doubt. Yeah. Strength is just important. And All right. <laughs> all right, look at this. Look at this. In 1988, Leonid Taranenko did 266. Clean jerk 266 for 30 four years that was the heaviest clean and jerk that had been done in a meet now i i, I know that there are heavier clean and jerks have been done in the training hall but in a meet that was the heaviest clean and jerk until lasha talakazi did this about this time last year and he did 267 so one kilo in 34 years now, what do we know about both Taranenko and Lasha Talakazi? They were both great, big, strong guys. Now, you can say what you want to about the technique. You can talk about technique all day. You can tear the technique of both of those lifts apart. They're, neither one of them are technically perfect in terms of the physics of the how transfer you. to the... How dare you rip a toe? Yeah, I know. What do I know? I'm, I'm not an internationally recognized kinesiology expert, <laughs> except that I do know what I'm talking about here. And uh, and both those guys, both those lifts were, you know, they could have been better. All right. But what you know for sure is that the day both of those guys did the 266 and the 267, they were stronger than anybody else in the meet. That's all you know. Right. Because you have to be strong to lift heavy weights. Now, who would argue that it would be better to be weaker in a fight? People who don't actually fight. People that think Bruce Lee was, you know, yep. Bruce Lee. People who believe in magic. Right. Really, that's that's what they no, think. No, that's true. Yeah, it's a it's magical thinking. Yep, it's magical thinking to think that a hundred and forty eight pound man can 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 beat a two hundred and seventy five pound man just because he's better. I'd be better with a gun. Yep. But it's just you know you're a fool if you don't think that bigger and stronger is pretty much the key to most every sport you know who are the best tennis players over the past 20 years in women's division tennis venus and serena look at them look at them yeah you don't even they're have to know. great big strong you don't even women have to know how much they squat like you, you don't know, know that they're strong. You, it doesn't matter how much they squat right i mean could they be better than they are yeah if i'd trained them they'd be better but it doesn't matter. They're still stronger than everybody else, and they beat the fuck out of everybody else. And that's why. Yep. Strong is the key to most sports. Yeah, and if, and if you forget that, all you have to do is ask yourself, do I care whether or not athletes do steroids? And if you care, then you agree that strength is important. There you go. Final analysis. Yeah. Final analysis. If you don't think strength is important, then make steroids legal. Right. Put your money where your mouth is, boy. 
<laughs> you know, you think steroids ought to be illegal? Why? Because they make you stronger. Well, how's that important to you? Because you think that technique is everything. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's. I think we answered the it, question. Yeah, I think we beat the question <laughs> completely to death. All right, Rip. Uh, James Collinge. He gives me the pronunciation. Oh, good. Yeah. There was some so question last finally, time. There, yeah. I, there was there was some question about the whether we were going to call him Collinge. 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 It's Collinge. College. College. What do you know or think about the current blood pressure guidelines? I realize they were reduced in the last six to seven years, making it so that a majority of healthy adults have elevated blood pressure. Do you think there is a similar controlling agenda behind this as there is with many health guidelines? Well, James, obviously. Have you not learned anything about medicine in the past three years? What have you failed to notice? Money is what this is about. The pharmaceutical people, if that's an accurate description of them, uh, are all about the money. All they give a shit about is the money. You know, if they could sell you a statin because your fucking total cholesterol is 205, and you're stupid enough to take it, then you're just giving them money, and that's what they want is your money. They'll do that off of a single blood pressure reading too. Oh yeah, they will. A single one. I mean, you know. Oh, I know. We can. People can argue about what's high and what's not, but you know, it's like you showed up today with you know 165 over 92 or something. And oh, we got like, doctors in this little shitty town. Yeah, and you here leave with a prescription. It's like it's you not. Know, hey, you come walk back. in the office. Yeah, it's they're, not. Their little you know 19 year old LVN takes your blood pressure and it's elevated a little bit well they write you a script right for lisinopril right now yeah. today yep you know it's just you know well your blood pressure is high you know we can't have that right well why is your blood pressure high well <laughs> yeah is, is it really high it was today yeah you know i i see these numbers and when i see a number i react appropriately right. exactly to the number i don't ask why I don't ask how. I don't ask anything. I say number, result, action. That's what I do because I am a doctor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, it's so frustrating. Look, you people that still trust your doctors to think for you, you are fools. And you ought to know that by now. And if you don't know that by now, you're just not paying any attention. Right. Because this is not complicated. Your, this is not complicated. Your doctor is a consultant. I've, we've said this before. Your doctor is a consultant, and any good consultant provides a process, not a solution. Right? So uh, Should, so, you, know, you know, so you, that you can check their work. That's exactly right. So you, you come you know. in with high blood pressure, and the first thing you should hear is maybe there are some things you're doing that are – Elevating your blood pressure. Do the first things. thing you should hear is maybe we did the test wrong. Well, exactly right. Yeah. Maybe we did the come, test wrong. Come back. How big is your arm and what cuff did we use on your right. arm? If you're a lifter and you go into the doctor's office and his little LVN puts a, a normal size cuff on your upper arm and takes your blood pressure, it's going to be elevated. Yep. Every single time it will be elevated. And you 
may not have high blood pressure. I've had this happen multiple times. The little the girl comes in, puts the cuff on, and I said, uh, and she takes it. She's like, oh wow, that's high. And I was like, uh, you oh got, god, you're like two eighty five over. Well, yeah, and I, and I told her I was like, I think you got you yeah. got. Is that the large cuff? And she says, oh, you 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 don't need the large cuff. No, I don't need large I cuff. Like, I was like, what well, she meant is. I don't, I don't know think we have about. a large No, no, cuff. they have one. They have one. And so here's what happened. She she goes, I don't think you need a large cuff. It's like, well, okay, well, all right, whatever. So because I, I don't give a shit, I'm not gonna do whatever <laughs> whatever she. But so then the then the doctor comes in and he's like, what's going on with your blood pressure? And I was like, man, I think that's the wrong cuff. So he, uh, so he's like, yeah, let's see. So he gets the large, which is right there. It's in the drawer. Just pull the she fucking large cuff. Fuck with it. Yeah. So he gets the large cuff out and it's perfectly normal. You know. She she wanted to find something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. They get off on finding shit wrong, you know. <laughs> well, your blood pressure is normal. Well, I don't get to do anything. <laughs> blood pressure is normal. It's not exciting. And when, look, you, you're in shape, and you trained yesterday, and you show up in the doctor's office with 145 over 98. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Yeah. Nothing. Right. Nothing is wrong with that. Right. You know, to begin with, your blood pressure is going to be elevated after you train. Right. It's one of the ways you perfuse is to have your blood pressure slightly elevated. That's normal. It's perfectly normal. There's nothing wrong with that. And you're in shape, right? And if you're in shape, how serious is an elevated, a slightly elevated, chronic blood pressure to you now that's not popular is it to say that i you know i'm encouraging people to kill themselves right we'll hear about that on the haters but if i'm walking around and i'm training four days a week and i'm walking around with 140 over 85 is there anything wrong with that well i'm not treating it with blood pressure medication right i'm not going to do it I, I, I'm just I'm just not going to do it. I just don't take medications for that kind of shit. Yeah, especially if there's yeah. other things you can do. If you want to bring it down, there's other things you, you can do. You want like, to bring it down, take some more potassium. Lose some weight if you're fat. Take some more potassium. Get your potassium where it's supposed to be, and your blood pressure will come down. Try that, okay, because it works. And yeah, there's other there's other ways to manage all this shit. But if you walk to, the, you go in the doctor's office, and every time you go to the doctor's office, your blood pressure is elevated, and you have not taken your blood pressure at home, or at Eckerd's, you know, in the little machine or some other place, and verified that. It could be that you are simply one of the probably half of the population that has white coat hypertension. You're nervous. You're at the doctor's office. You're afraid they're going to measure your blood pressure high. So your blood pressure is elevated because you're not comfortable in the situation. Or the nurse doesn't know how to take your blood pressure. Right. Which is (laughs) common. Yep. You know, that's common. So anyway... Uh, you can buy a, a home blood pressure thing. That's, they're they're pretty accurate. I mean, you can buy a good old fashioned sphygma manometer and a, and get a stethoscope and take your own blood pressure. And you can do it anytime during the day. 
You can learn how to do it. You can take your own blood pressure. It's not complicated. If you're worried about it, why don't you learn how to do that? Yeah. So you'll know what it actually is, and that way no one else is involved. You're not all anxious and shit. You take it six times a day if you want to, and then run the average and get a better idea of actually what the hell is going on. Yep. You know, that equipment's not expensive. And it, and here's another thing you have to understand. Any external measurement of your blood pressure is just a proxy for what actually is going on. You can't directly measure blood pressure unless you insert an instrument directly into the center of the lumen of an artery. That's only and and you and that's not safe. <laughs> so any blood pressure med- reading is a proxy <laughs> for what that value actually is anyway i understand james concern because he's in the uk and i, I think if you don't take the approved medic medications in the uk they come to your house yeah they make come you, to your house and give them to you they give them to you right yeah they strongly okay. encourage you to take them at your house all right uh well thanks james for that question all right rocco 99 asks when answering questions from lifters i've heard you guys say something like if your squat is x then your deadlift should be y where Y is some number greater than X. It's a bunch of math. <laughs> is there a percentage you are using, or does this come from your years of experience? And maybe there is a biomechanical explanation. Well, what we typically say is that when you are first starting to train, and this is everybody with the exception of anthropometrically weird people, all right? People that have little short arms or little bitty stubby fingers that don't wrap all the way around the bar, your squat will be below your deadlift. In fact, that's reflected in our little sticker for your window that says 500, 400, 300, 200. Those are averages for what you can expect for strength. Your deadlift will be more than your squat until you are a very high level power lifter and you have learned how to squat and learned how to use your suit and your wraps and taking a bunch of drugs and gotten your body weight up to an optimum weight to height ratio to squat. But virtually everybody else will always pull more than they squat, especially when first, they first start training for the first several years of their training. And, uh, well, for example, when I, you know, my PR meet, I think I, I squatted 622 and deadlifted 633. There's a little head still on the deadlift when my squat was over six. And, you know, I think that that's, that's been my observation that that's fairly normal for most people. But if you've got short arms, your deadlift is going to be artificially low. You've got short fingers. You're not going to be able to hold on to the bar. Your hand's fat. Cross-section of your hand is fat. You won't be able to hold on to the bar. But absent those 
variables. Uh, I think everybody's deadlift is going to be a little ahead of their squat. Yep. You know, the range of motion is shorter. And uh, you start in a more advantageous position to use your knee and hip extensors. And uh, you start with a... Uh, You know, push off the floor, and I, it's just an easier lift to do heavier weights on. In, in fact, if, if when we train women, uh, we see this a lot. Girls come into the gym, older women come into the gym, they're completely detrained, and we have to start them on a leg press machine uh, because they they just can't do a squat with their body weight even, certainly not with a bar, but we take them – over to the platform and every single one of them will deadlift 100 pounds the first day for set of five all of them will do that it's easy for them uh, i don't think i've ever had a, a female that i've trained that couldn't deadlift 40 kilos the first day she trained don't remember anybody being that that detrained unless she was 80 yep you know Anything you want to add to Rocco's question? No, no. I mean, if your if your deadlift is is behind your squat, you mess something up, um, or or you've just uh, you've you've neglected to pull heavy because that happens a mm. lot. Guys will yeah. do the program and they they don't miss the squat because it's the first lift. They understand the problem there. Uh, everybody, nobody misses upper body shit. But then they get to the deadlift and they they're okay with only doing uh, they're three, tired. You know, or, they've been there an it, hour and a half. Yeah, I'll and, do it next time. Yeah. And then my, my ha- the one I hate the most is well, my technique isn't perfect, so I'm just going to stay at this yeah, weight until right. I get it right. Your technique is not going to be perfect at any weight until you get to where you're lifting enough weight that it matters. That your technique must, must be, be perfect. perfect to pull it. Yeah, right. that's a good point. Yeah, for sure. Yep. All right. Yep. All right. Now, Matt Demo says, I am really enjoying the aesthetic development of visible trap muscles as a product of lifting heavy and starting strength. My questions are, do traps get bigger due to the stress on the entire back from all of the lifts progressing or only due to deadlifts specifically? Pretty much only due to deadlifts specifically. You're... Your traps are not terribly important in the bench press, and your tap, your traps are just where the bar sits on the squat. You say- I mean, the whole body's under stress from the squat, so the whole body responds to the squat. But the deadlifts are what build traps. Would you say a, a big press helps? I'd say a big press does not help because it's so much lighter. It's so much than lighter. The deadlift. Yeah. Because the, the the press is uses the traps too. But your deadlift is three times that weight. Yeah. So deadlifts are what build traps. There's no doubt. Uh, also, do the traps grow along with the stress placed on the spinal erectors? Well, yeah. And I think what the traps are doing in a deadlift, the traps are used isometrically in a deadlift. You don't concentrically shrug your traps when you're deadlifting. The traps hold the shoulders back and are responsible for part of the mechanism that keeps the barbell over the middle of the foot up off of the floor. So the traps are loaded isometrically in a deadlift. And 
the traps grow in response to deadlifts. Now, you can do barbell shrugs if you want to and accelerate the process, but most people that do barbell shrugs do not understand the fact that if you're going to make barbell shrugs work for growing your traps, you're going to have to use 100 pounds more than you're deadlifting. And you're, they're not under they're not under uh, under load nearly as long as they are on a on a set of five deadlift either, right? Right. So the for most people, most of the time, the deadlift is going to produce the most stress on the traps and all of your upper back muscles. Yes. Right. Everybody with a great big deadlift has got great big traps. Yep. Uh, I mean, Olympic lifters that don't deadlift don't have traps the size of power lifters that have got an 800 deadlift. Right. Big deadlift makes big traps, and that's just all there is to it. Absolutely. Also, let's see. My general anatomy physiology knowledge is quite poor. I, like some, have spent countless hours in my 20s being that guy doing countless shrugs in the Globo Gym squat rack trying to get bigger traps. And unless you are doing barbell shrugs as described in the blue book with a bunch of weight i mean a bunch of weight that you're not going to get big traps from doing barbell shrugs and there's no such thing as a dumbbell shrug that makes your traps bigger doesn't happen doesn't happen doesn't work never has worked once <laughs> okay okay here's a some poor bastard in the army uh rip bottom line up front how should i handle artificial body weight restrictions due to the u.s army first thank you uh blah blah let's see numbers he's male 32 six, five. numbers from april 10 to may 10. all weights are three sets of five set deadlift all right body weight went from 220 to 235. Squat is 95, went up to 170. Bench is 105 to 140. Press 65 to 100. Deadlift went from 155 to two and a quarter. All right. Here's the problem. In the Army, if I weigh more than 229, I get taped for body fat. Before joining 13 years ago, I was an obese, weak, 315-pound kid. Lost a ton of weight, got down as... Low is 185. Been an avid runner for years now. Not currently running in position where I can do whatever PT I want. Eating very low carb for years. Eats clean, he says. His weight loss left big fat, big flat tire, loose skin around my abdomen. All right, look. How tall is he, Rip? 6'1? 6'5. 6'5. And his. And his squat is 170. Yeah, it's. He's still, I mean, he's still, he's fat. still fat. Is the problem? He's still fat. Yeah. So the this isn't an he's army still, problem. This no, is, this isn't an army problem. Yeah. This is a you not being in shape problem. Right. Is what it is. This is a you being a skinny fat guy. Right. Problem. Um, I think all his problems go away when that squat gets up around 350, 400. Yeah. <clears throat> but I, you know, I they're going to tape him. Yeah. There's no question there because he's. They're going to tape him, and he's going to fail to tape. Right. So he's going to have to lose a bunch of body weight. Yep. And, you know, I, uh, if 
right, just to prove a point, I once voluntarily had a senior NCO tape me when I was 200 pounds. I was supposedly 24% at 6'5", 200 pounds. He probably he might was. have been. Yeah, he probably was. Might very well have been. You know, that tape test is shitty. Yep. There's no doubt it's shitty, but uh, he says, make no mistake, I have some unnecessary fluff, but at 6'5", 235, the Army tape test has me at 28% body fat. That's probably not right. Right. But the problem is you're there's no you have been training incorrectly for a very long time. Yeah, the problem is there's no short term solution that doesn't involve losing weight quickly. That's right. There's a long term solution, which means spend the next three to six months training your ass off and getting significantly more muscular. And then, then, then this becomes a, a little bit easier to solve, but um, yeah, it's a, it becomes a little bit easier to drop body fat if your muscles are twice as big as they are right, right now, obviously. But here's they're going to tape him, and it says uh, if I get weight, I'll bust tape. Bust tape, my career takes a huge hit. I know that eventually my body comp should even out enough to press tape. Bigger neck for starters, and I'm not sure I can get there as I feel I need to get back to and stay under 229, so I do not get taped. That's apparently the magic number. Well, that's reasonable. If he can get under 229. 229 at 6'5". Well, I know, but but yeah, based, I know. On, based on where well, he's at no, right I, now. I think that that's his that's only. That's what he's got to do. That's his only option. Yeah. At this point, there's not any other way to handle it short term. Yep. Yeah. So I'd, if I were you, I'd get my ass back down under 229. And stay there. Yep. And he could probably train okay, you know, at least another 50 to 70 pounds on each of the big lifts at that body weight. And he can make weight for these periodic tests he can, if, sure. he, if he needs sure. to. Yeah. He's within shooting distance of it right now. Right. Uh, but your biggest problem are these lifting, your lifts. Right. Mm-hmm. Your, your lifts are not where they need 100%. to be. For your size and your, your sex. Yep. How old is he? He says he's uh, 32. Oh, yeah, man. Run that shit up. 6'5", 32, 235 body weight. I think he loses 6 pounds, 7 pounds, you know, gets under 229. He and could, He could do that. And they leave him alone, and then he'd go back. He could lose us. back, and he trains, and then he gets in shape, and he gets up to 245 at 6'5". His neck's grown two inches. Right. And the tape test is not a problem. Yep. He, uh, he'll lose that six pounds in a weekend <laughs> Yeah, if he needs to, you know. Yeah, he can. Easily. Yep. So, anyway. Yeah, you're just not strong enough. You're just going to have to get your lifts up. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming you have the book. Get the book. Do what the book says. All right. Zach the Jew. I'm sorry. Zach Milinchik, <laughs> who used to be Zach, Zach the Jew, who's now it's an Zach unfortunate change. <laughs> unfortunate turn of events there. I don't know why he would do that to himself. Why did he? Uh, now he's just another Zach. It's pretty We lame. need to get back to our Ask the Jew segment. I agree. You know? That's great. Need to call Zach and ask him. If he wants to do it, yeah, it'd be great. Is he, he still a Jew? Get a hold of it. We don't know. Yeah. He might Is not he be still a Jew. A Jew? He might have been. He might have converted to Methodism. Maybe all the anti-Semitism has scared him to not be a Jew anymore. Good point. 
it's, it's one of the biggest um, things that's going on in the United States right now. Well, I definitely Jewish hatred. Yeah, I, I thought it was white supremacy. No, no, no. Well, that's well, that part too. of it. Isn't. That's a part that's of a, it. That's a that's a key feature. Yeah, of white that's, supremacy. that's that's part of it. Jew hatred. Jew hatred. <laughs> yeah, if you are. What if you're white and you're Jew? If though? you are, if the you Jew are anything the white. except a progressive Democrat, you are guilty of white supremacy, and it doesn't matter what color you are. <laughs> the Jew outweighs white supremacy the white. is not about whiteness. Oh, got it. Yeah, or supremacy. <laughs> In fact. All right, says, question about the bar path on the press. In the theoretical model, the press bar path is perfectly straight, despite the fact that the bar starts in front of the shoulder because the lifter slams his body under the bar as soon as possible, which allows the bar to move in relation to his body but move in a vertical line in relation to the floor. Well, if yeah, if you understand that you're leaning back in a position... You pushed your hips forward, not leaning back. You pushed your hips forward into a position where the barbell starts over the middle of the foot on its way up. And then as it clears your face, you move under it, thus preserving the vertical nature of the bar path. All right. However, I've been watching a lot of actually heavy limit presses, and it seems like when the weight is sufficiently heavy, it is not actually possible to slam in the body under the bar. <clears throat> for some when the bar essentially stops or slows way down just above the head this is when they move into their second layback involving more pecs and bringing the bar closer to the rotation point by rotating around it using the second layback this keeps the bar path vertical for those who don't have a second layback the only option is for the bar to move laterally until it's over the shoulder which is when it starts moving again. Laterally, I, I don't no, know why. That's not what happens. That, that, you can't move the barbell laterally. Yeah, that's not what happens. You can't move a bar over your head laterally. You have no control. You cannot do this. Right. Laterally move a bar. The only thing you can move is you. Yep. And the idea that you can move the bar laterally is not – that's. I don't think you'll see that. Yep. I don't think you'll see that happen. Yeah, and even even though we talk I about, mean, you don't have a way to do that. You don't have. Sure. A, I think I think well, even when people have a big layback, the the bar a lot of times the the actual bar a lot of times isn't over the midfoot. It's it's sometimes behind the midfoot. But but that's not the point. The point you, you got to remember it's a lifter barbell system. So the combined center of mass is really what we're concerned with. Really, honestly, that's what's over the middle. Exactly. Of the so so what the bar is, like if you were to pause and frame through a video, you might not see a, a absolutely perfect bar path, but depending on the, the load on the bar, the center of mass is right. dead ass right over if the If you mid, calculated foot. the combined center of mass of the lifter barbell, it's over the midfoot. Right. Because if it's not... You're off balance, yeah. and you can't push the bar. Yeah, it's like it's the same. It's kind of the same analogy as a, a, a. You have to look at it almost like a snatch, where the you know uh, shit's moving all over the place, but mm -hmm. the center of the center mass of the system is pretty balanced out throughout because yeah. shit's moving in two different directions. Right, <clears throat> and you know a snatch is a light bar relative to the pull. You get away with all kinds of shit going on in the snatch. We've got a video we show. At the at the seminar of a guy doing a snatch with a little over four hundred, and the the he jumps back at the top of that pull. He jumps back 
12 or 13 inches. Mm, no shit, yeah. Because he has put that much backward force vector into the pull. Right. Because the bar started way out in front of him. Yep. And then he actually pulls himself, not the bar, he pulls himself back under the bar. The idea that you can... As you're pressing a bar up, you have the ability to do this with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's why these guys that are you yelling. Know, with an empty bar, maybe, but you can't. Yeah. These you guys can't. that are yelling back, back as the lifter stuck with the bar over the head, that's fucking useless. You can't, you can't pull, push the bar back. You, there's no muscle man. What? If you're going to pull the bar back, you got to do that. Right. You can't do that with it. Yeah. What you can do is move your body, though. You can but cue you a can shrug. But you can move your body all over the place, sure. and that's what you have to learn how to do. Yep. But you have to understand that the balance of the system is completely dependent on the combined center of mass being directly over the middle of the foot, and it's going to be there if there's any weight at all on the bar. Right. You know, light warm-ups don't count. You can do anything with light warm-ups you want. Yep. Uh, yeah, and then the, the, the double layback thing, it's not – it's it, it's more of an early lockout with the, with the elbows. So you, you essentially finish the press by – coming back upright rather than locking out the elbows right because in a, in a in a good lay double layback press the lockout happens while you're still laid back in terms of the elbow the lockout of the elbow happens back here in the layback and then they stand up with it i think it happens like that sometimes i think that when i think most people tend to use moving under the bar to drive to, f- the elbow to help finish into lockout. lockout yeah okay Okay, I think that's typically what happens. Now I watch Chase do it the other way, but most of the time, if you've got a double layback, I'm talking about the huge like Carl Ragavan, Brent Carter Chase yeah, laybacks. That right. that lockout is happening really early. Mm-hmm. Could yeah, it's happening could early. Could be, but the, I and I don't. But I, you know, I don't know that that's as efficient. It's as, not efficient as no, using. No. Your body moving forward as part of the mechanism that locks the elbows out. It's definitely not efficient, you know. And I right. think I think you I think you agree with this that th- those guys typically you want to you want to get them more you want them to lay back less. Mm-hmm. Like I think people think. Yeah, of, I think people overdo the people layback. over. They, it, people think it's a good idea. It's it is a mechanical disadvantage right. because any amount of distance between the barbell and the shoulder joint is a moment arm that has to be overcome. It's not a moment arm that you use to lift the weight. Right. It's a moment arm that the weight is using against you. Right. And that needs to be minimized. If I'm going to coach Chase, I would one of the primary things I would tell him is you've got keep the bar close. To manage your second layback better. Right. You got to stay tighter. You got to be closer to the bar. You got to be closer. Bars be closer to your nose on the way up. Right. You know, a, a second layback is a necessary mechanical reaction to the barbell. But if it puts you out here, now you've got a, a job to do that you might not get done. Yep. Because you've screwed the position up right. too bad. Yep. So, you got anything else you want to talk about? No. I don't either. What we got coming up? We got lift shoot fight coming up in July. Lift shoot fight coming up in July. Eighth and ninth, I think. Eighth and ninth. It's on the website. That's where we lift, shoot, and fight. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> and uh, 
it's a fun weekend. If you're into that sort of thing, it's a fun weekend. Spend time on the range, time on the mat, time under the bar. Yep. You get a whole bunch of valuable instruction from very competent people, even me. Right? <laughs> I'm there. Even me. And uh, we'd like to see you there, too. <laughs> We've got room for three or four more people in the thing right now. Uh, what else is going on? It's May. We this got thing seminar is probably going to air before the June seminar. Yep, a couple weeks before. So June seminar is open. It's not sold out yet. It might be something you want to think about. Yeah. Okay. Other than that. Other than that, if you guys haven't watched the Creole spaghetti video, Creole spaghetti, up. man, it's good stuff. Hard to not like Creole spaghetti. Easier than hell. When man. you told me what it was, I was highly skeptical. I was like, "All right, we'll see, man." And then it's, shit's good. Shit's Real good, good, man. Yeah, you'll find yourself making it all. I said, the time. I, I actually said in my head, I was like, "He's making hamburger helper." <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a. It's kind of like a real high end version yeah, of hamburger. It's high end hamburger helper. <laughs> That's good. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us this week. We'll see you next time on Starting Strength Radio.